0: Welcome to Audio Divina, brought to you by The Right Dirt Project. You can see more of what our project is by visiting the website, therightdirt.com.au. Audio Divina, or sacred listening, is based on an ancient form of Christian prayer or meditation. As you go through the audio, always keep in mind that you can stop at any time you need to, as you may want to reflect on what you've just heard. Through it, we invite the Holy Spirit to move our hearts and our imaginations. Just in case you're new to this, there is a short meditation that you might find useful, which is found on the Audio Divina webpage. This week is the first Sunday of Lent. Lent is a journey that tries to open up our heart and life to God and to others. Jesus begins his work with a wander into the desert to be alone with his God. Find your own desert so that the busyness and the things of the world don't cloud your view. The process is designed through listening to the words of the gospel and to some reflections from Father Frank Maloney. Quiet in your mind, invite the spirit to guide your listening. The gospel will now be presented by the students from Colester College, which will be followed by Father Frank's reflection. Don't be afraid to pause the audio at any point.
1: A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. The Spirit drove Jesus out into the wilderness, and he remained there for forty days, and was tempted by Satan. He was with the wild beasts, and the angels looked after him. After John had been arrested, Jesus went into Galilee. There he proclaimed the good news from God. The time has come, he said, and the kingdom of God is close at hand. Repent and believe the good news.
2: The gospel today taken from the very first chapter of the gospel of Mark is very brief indeed as you just sit there and listen to it you might wonder why uh, such a short gospel is used but as I have to explain you'll soon uh, gather that it is a very significant gospel for this time of the year and it is a very significant passage in the gospel of Mark it comes right at the end of the very first page of Mark when Jesus has been introduced by John the Baptist, although he's not there, but eventually he comes on the scene and is baptised by John the Baptist. We don't read any of that in this morning's passage. But we do recall, or it's helpful to recall, that the Baptist, when he was giving witness to Jesus, said that he would baptise in the Spirit, whereas John the Baptist was only baptising with water. And so it is this spirit that takes possession of Jesus as our gospel begins. The spirit drove Jesus into the desert. So right from the beginning of the gospel, the first time Jesus appears on the scene, we find out that he's not really in charge of things. It's God who's making these decisions. It's the spirit of God who's driving Jesus on his mission. So he's driven into the desert. Now the desert throughout the history of Israel, and in many ways even in our own life, even if we use the word symbolically, the desert is an ambiguous place. The desert is the place where Moses received the law, but the desert is also the place where the people rebelled against Moses and against God and built a golden statue. The desert is the place where the people wander, where the people are supported by God but keep making mistakes. Elijah is in the desert. And associated with all of these figures, the people, Moses, Elijah, and many other across the Bible, is the time of the number 40, 40 days. So Jesus is associating himself with this long biblical tradition that goes all the way back to Moses, and it is an indication of his in an ambiguous situation, a situation where goodness and grace and God's protection runs hand in hand with sinfulness and wandering and rejection of the law. This is immediately recognized by anybody who reads Jesus' was in the desert and remained there for 40 days. And it becomes even more powerful when Mark tells us, and he was put to the test by Satan. Now you'll recall from other gospel readings that you hear on Sundays that there is a first scene in all of the gospels, particularly in Matthew and Luke, where this temptation takes place, but it's, takes place over a longer period of time. You remember that in Matthew and Luke, Satan continually puts the question to Jesus, if you are God's son, do this. And Jesus responds three times that happens, not in Mark. We're simply told that he was put to the test by Satan. He's in a situation of ambiguity. He can go one way or the other and Satan, the power of evil, wants him to go in the direction of evil. The next words, although apparently irrelevant to us without knowing some background, give us the response to what's really happening here. He was with the wild animals, and the angels looked after him. You might remember that in the story of Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3, once the serpent Satan tempts the woman and she is disobedient to God and falls, she then tempts the man and he is disobedient and he falls. And then God comes and systematically sets up an enmity, a hostility between the earth And humankind, you have to work it by the sweat of your brow. Between the animals who become wild and an animosity, a tension, even between man and woman themselves. For the author of the book of Genesis, this is an indication of the disorder which sin has brought into the world. But Jesus has reversed that disorder. He was with the wild animals. The wild animals are his friends. The conflict that was established when sin came into the world in the person of Jesus, and at this stage only in the person of Jesus, has been overcome. Now, this is not something that suddenly appears in Mark for the first time. This was a hope that Israel had. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 11, you get the prophecy of a future Messiah. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and you get a description of this Messiah. And in that chapter, you get these words The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them, the cow and the bear shall feed, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox, the suckling child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the wean child shall put his hand on the adder's den, they shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. This is a hope, this is manifestation of a messianic hope that one day the hostility that existed between the created world and all the participants in the created world will be overcome when the Messiah arrives. And so when Mark tells us he was with the wild animals, this tells us that a new creation has begun the way God wanted it in the beginning, has now been restored. And this is reinforced by the very next words, and the angels looked after him. That also may seem to be irrelevant to us, but again, coming out of a Jewish background, Mark is able to pick up a theme that is widespread in Judaism, where the question was asked, Well, if Adam and Eve were in the garden and they weren't allowed to eat the fruit of the tree, who fed them? And in a famous book called The Life of Adam and Eve, a Jewish book, a Jewish Christian book, actually, we're told the angels fed them. And so we are, with this statement also, being taken back to the original situation of the creation of the world the creation of human beings in union with God without any animosity, without any disobedience, and a creation where humankind and the animals are at one. But of course, at the beginning of Mark's Gospel, there's only one person to whom that is applied, and that is Jesus of Nazareth. And so we're told at the beginning of our very short gospel on this first Sunday of Lent that Jesus reestablishes for us God's original created order. Then another element begins. After John had been arrested, Jesus went into Galilee. John is the precursor of Jesus. So John goes off the scene so that there can be no competition between the two. For Mark, this is important. There's only one voice, and it will only be the voice of Jesus. It's a little different in the other Gospels, but in Mark, there must be the voice of Mark presenting Jesus coming into Galilee. And in Galilee, he proclaimed the gospel from God. What does it mean to say he's proclaiming the gospel from God? Our English word gospel comes from an old English word, God spell. And that comes from the original meaning of the Greek for gospel, which means good news. Good news, God spell, good news. So Jesus comes as the new creation into Galilee, now that the path has been prepared for him by the Baptist who has cleared away and he proclaims the good news from God. And what is that good news? The time is fulfilled. The coming of Jesus is the turning point of the ages. The turning point of the ages because, as the text reads, the kingdom of God is close at hand. The problem with our translations, the kingdom of God, is that it makes us think of a, of a kingdom like a human kingdom, where there's a castle and a territory and soldiers and everyone protects their land, uh, and they all got their little bit of property. That doesn't catch what Jesus is saying, because for Jesus, the kingdom is a dynamic expression. It means the reigning presence of God as king. The good news is that we have reached the turning point of the ages, and the reigning presence of God is close at hand, the text says. And again, that can be read much more dynamically to say, is pressing in on you. It's on the horizon. It's coming at you. So this is an enormous time of new creation. The turning point of the ages, the reigning presence of God is close at hand and because that is the case, Jesus gives us our command for our Lenten season. Repent and believe in this good news. Again, we are culturally conditioned to think of Repentance is some sort of putting on sackcloth and ashes and looking miserable and recognizing our sinfulness and hanging our heads, but that's not what it means. The original Greek word for repent means change your mind. And it goes back to an original Hebrew Aramaic word which Jesus would have used which says, turn around, you are going in the wrong direction, you are walking the wrong way, the kingdom is pressing in on you and you can't see it because you're walking the wrong way. Turn around, therefore, and walk into the good news, the good news that God is alive and is present among us. And so in this extremely brief passage that we have for our gospel reading on the first Sunday of Lent, we have a rich introduction into the beauty of the faith that we hold. In Jesus Christ, God has established a new creation. This new creation brings with him the reigning presence of God in our midst. It is in him. It is in what he says and what he does. We are now told to turn around, to recognize that we're going in the wrong way, and to begin to walk with Jesus into this living presence of God among us and for us, so that we in our own turn, like Jesus, might become a new creation with God, with Christ, and for others.
1: A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. The Spirit drove Jesus out into the wilderness, and he remained there for forty days, and was tempted by Satan. He was with the wild beasts, and the angels looked after him. After John had been arrested, Jesus went into Galilee. There he proclaimed the good news from God. The time has come, he said, and the kingdom of God is close at hand. Repent and believe the good news.
0: Take some time now to reflect on what you have heard. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. Bring all that you have experienced before God. Take notice of all that is happening within you. There are some questions that might be a guide to the process of your reflection. They're on the webpage. So the time is yours. Till next week.